But I love that we come together in this time, and uh, you know, it's a busy time. It's a busy time. Many of you know we have 12 kids, 11 kids at home right now, so this season is just mayhem. Every day there's something new, something that has to be done, and uh, I predict a very long evening in our house tonight. And it's probably the same way it's going to be in, uh, in your house for many of us tonight. So it's good that we come together and, and we just take a few moments to reflect and think about what's the celebration all about as, as far as uh, celebrating Christmas. So I, I wanted to put a, a verse on the screen, and this year our theme is Unto Us. And um, there's a, a passage in Isaiah. It's written about 700 years before Jesus was born. It's a passage that if you've been coming to Calvary for any length of time, it's a verse that you're very familiar with. This is a verse that's probably uh, spoken or shown at every church at every Christmas, or at least most, most churches would share this every Christmas, because this is kind of the verse that's all about Christmas. And uh, so I want to read it real quick, and then I want to go ahead and talk through a few things that, that maybe uh, we, we don't always think about. So it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And uh, when, I, when I look at that verse... I ask myself, Lord, what is it that you're trying to communicate in, in that one passage? Because there's a lot about yourself that you didn't communicate. There's nothing in there about him being the creator and things of that. But, but in this verse, there's something that he wants to communicate. And certainly at the end, he says, mighty God and everlasting father. And so, so we see that. But um, I wanted to just walk through a few things and just highlight as we travel through. And this will be the fastest and deepest Bible study that you've ever been to. But if you come to Calvary, you kind of expect that you're going to get a Bible study. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay, well, it really doesn't matter because uh, we're going to do it anyways. But So it says, for unto us a child is born. And uh, when you get to the bottom of that, it says he'll be the, the mighty God and the everlasting father. And so God would become a man. And part of that is just so that as God becomes a man on our behalf, he lives in our existence and he understands what it is that you and I go through. But this is where it really begins to get interesting for me. You see in English, we have about 170,000 words. It's a big language. And if you take all the technical words that you attach to that, we have somewhere about 400,000 words. And some people suggest we have up to a million words in English. But in the Hebrew, there's only about 8,000 words. And uh, so each word has several different meanings. And one of the challenges that happens is that in the translation, we only get one of those many meanings. And so we we tend to miss out on so much. So when you go to the next line, it says, unto us a son is given. So when it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, we immediately think, oh, God's being, God's being uh, poetic. Well, um, maybe, but one of the things that hits you is that where it says, unto us a son is given, given. And that word given uh, in the original language in the Hebrew is uh, pronounced nothan. And uh, here's what this means. These are some of the ways that this word can be translated and uh, see if any of this rings a bell. Given can be translated as delivered up, lifted up, payment, strike, suffer, thrust, and given. Does that sound familiar? So when it says he is given, you get the sense that this is talking a whole lot more than about a baby being born. Well, you move on from there and it says the government will be upon his shoulder. 
Now, that, that's a fascinating passage also. We won't spend a lot of time on that, but government just means rule and, and the dominion, or it just means government. And it can pertain to ruling over everything, or the government of everything, but it can also pertain to governing you and I as individuals. And when it says on his shoulder, that's another very interesting word in the original language because it does mean shoulders, but it's also a Hebrew phrase that just means to bear the burden or a metaphor to say the responsibility of rule. So the idea is that because a son was given, lifted up, suffered, uh, he then becomes a government, uh, the government then rests upon his shoulder. The idea is that he assumes the responsibility for, for everything that he has now been lifted up for. But then it goes on to say that he is the wonderful counselor. His name will be called the wonderful counselor. And I love that because the word there in the original language for wonderful just means incomprehensible, so far beyond what we could comprehend. And counselor is a, is a unique word and it implies wisdom. It means uh, to advise, to resolve, to determine, to guide, to give purpose. And, and, and I love that because when you look at Jesus in the New Testament, everybody that came to him, he was never stumped by anyone. He always had just the right word, just the right thing to say, just the right answer. And, and I love that because um, you and I live in what's called the information age. And in our world, people say, you know, we need, we need more education, we need better education. Education is great. But in, you and I live in the most educated society that the world has ever known. And uh, in the most educated society that the world has ever known, we have more divorce, we have more abuse, we have more uh, substance abuse, we have more you know, crime and poverty and, and, and war and all of those things. And with all of that, so I, I would say that right now it would be safe to say that we are drowning in information, but we are starving for wisdom in our society. And so because of that, he says, I want to step in and I want to be your wonderful counselor. My wife tells the story when she was a young adult and she was driving down the road and she remembers the day before she became a believer and she was just thinking, I wish I could meet somebody, somebody who had some answers. And it was soon after that that she became a believer and the Lord stepped in. And if you were to look at her life and you were to look at my life early on, um, before we met each other and before the Lord really began to work in our lives separately, uh, you would describe us as re- you know, relationship train wrecks. But there came a point in our life where we began to say, Lord, we realize we need you to be our wonderful counselor. We need your wisdom. And he began to step in and uh, began to work. And at the right time, then he brought us together. It was just last month we shared, we, we celebrated 20 years of a very happy marriage. And you see, what, what happens for many of us is that we come to, to the Lord in that time where we realize that our best thinking is not taking us to the place that we thought it would take us. And he has a way of bringing us to that place where we say, you know what, I, I need some other wisdom. I, Lord, I need your wisdom. I, I love this. Uh, here he's called the wonderful counselor, but later on in the Gospels, Jesus would say, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So maybe you're here today and you're at that place and you're saying, I really need some wisdom. Well, here's what he'd want you to know. He is the wisdom for your marriage. He is the wisdom for your parenting. He is the wisdom for your finances. He is the wonderful counselor. And if you let him, he'd love to give you his wisdom. 
Well, then it goes on beyond that, and it says the mighty God. His name will be the mighty God. And I find that very interesting. The word in the original language is El Gibor. El is God, and Gibor here is translated as mighty. But um, many Bible commentators would say that this would be better translated not by saying mighty God, but the hero God, the hero God. And here's why. The word gibor there, or, or where we have the word mighty, uh, means a word depicting bravery, courage, action, champion, valiant, to be a rescuer. So it's not just that he's the mighty God in the sense that he's strong, he's mighty in the sense that he came and he took action, acted bravely, uh, was valiant on our behalf on the cross. So as our hero, he stepped in on our behalf. And we miss that in the, in the English sometimes. So here, again, the word is more than just being mighty God in the sense that he's strong. It's mighty on our behalf as a rescuer. Now, because he stepped in as our rescuer, he then is able to be called the everlasting father, the everlasting father. Now, we as uh, Westerners, when we read this, we tend to think, well, everlasting father, he existed forever. Well, that's true, but that's not what's being conveyed when he says the everlasting father. And um, the word there for father is very, very personal. The word is ab or abba. And in every language, when children learn to speak to their parents, they always, in every language, it's always a very basic sound. So you say mama, papa, dada, daddy. It's always very, very basic. In Hebrew, it's ab or abba. And so this is not a formal way of referring to the father. This would be like, if we were to say, translate this today, we might say daddy or, 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 or just dad or, or daddy. Now, the reason I highlight that, it says he's the everlasting father. The idea is it conveys a relationship. But he's not speaking of the father who is everlasting. What he's conveying here is that he has become our everlasting father. When you became a believer, he became your everlasting father because this word speaks of the eternality of this relationship that we have with him. He's everlasting, but here he's conveying that he is our everlasting father. Now, why is that so important? It speaks again of the eternality of the relationship. Because he was the hero God who stepped in on our behalf and he he paid the price for us, he was able to, by doing that, to step in and become our everlasting father. What that means is that you can never lose this relationship. Because if you could lose this relationship, he wouldn't be your everlasting father. And that's the message that he's conveying in this verse. So he knew all the things that we had done and all the things that we would ever do. And he chose to step in on our behalf as our hero God, mighty God. And by doing that, based upon what he did, he was able to become our everlasting father. Not that he existed forever, but he steps in a forever relationship with you and I. And then because he is our everlasting father, we understand that he is also our prince of peace. You can't understand him as the prince of peace until you come to understand him as your everlasting father. Because if you don't understand him as your everlasting father, then you'll never have peace in this relationship. You'll always have that sense of angst. What I love about that word peace in the original language, it's shalom, shalom. 
Now, we often think of this word as peace, but that's not the, uh, the way it, that it's always translated. It's translated in a number of different ways. And here's what it means. If you were to open up a Hebrew dictionary, it would say this word shalom means safe, well, happy, welfare, health, prosperity, and then finally, peace. So he wants to be the prince of all of that in our lives. I think you'll agree as we look around the world, we live in a world that appears to be coming apart at the seams. And it's in that that he says, I want you to know I stepped in as your, Hebrew, as your, as your hero God and I acted on your behalf. And when I did and you received me, I became your everlasting father. And because I'm your everlasting father, I'm also now your prince of peace, your prince of shalom, uh, welfare, prosperity, health, and all of that. And that's why we celebrate this so much at Christmas. Maybe you're here today and in this season you're saying, I really need that peace that he's talking about. He says, I want to give that to you. And the way that you get that, for some of us, this is just by way of reminder. This is the relationship that we have. And yet for some of us, We've never come to the place where we've invited him to have that relationship with us. Do you realize that the very reason that he created you in the first place was because he wanted to have that relationship with you? But he gives you the free will to say, I want that. And when you do, he says, I step in and I become your wonderful counselor and I'm your everlasting father and I'm your hero God and I am your Prince of Peace. And you receive that by simply saying, I want that, come on in, I I receive that. So I'm going to pray, and as I pray for some, again, this is by way of reminder, and yet for some of us, this might be the first time that that we've prayed that. And if if you invite him in, he promises to step in and never leave because he's your everlasting Father. So let's pray. Father, uh, once again, we are reminded of everything that you wanted to convey in this tiny little verse and why we celebrate it so much. And we pray that, that for, again, for some to remind that you are our everlasting Father. You acted bravely on our behalf and you become our Prince of Peace. And, and we're thankful for that and we celebrate that. And for others, this being new, we just say, I want that. Would you please step into my life? I want you to be my everlasting father. I I want you to be my hero God, and I want that peace. And so I believe that God came to the earth as a man. You stepped in on my behalf as my hero God, mighty God, and did what needed to be done so that I could have this relationship with you. And I receive that today, and I invite you in. And if that's you today, just know if you invite him in, He'll never leave. Father, I pray that in this season and in this evening, that once again, as we're reminded as to why we celebrate this, that we would once again rest in this relationship, that we'd be encouraged in our faith. And Father, I pray that you keep us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.